Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Week in IndyCar listener Q&A show. Recording this about a week later than intended. This will be something hopefully to keep you busy or fill some time here. You're flying, driving, or hosting Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Trying to put up a couple other episodes as well, just in the name of burning some time and or allowing you to pop in those AirPods, whatever pods, and just kind of go off into your happy world of racing. So already put up a brand new episode of the Week in Sports Cars with my co-host and brother, Graham Goodwin. And so here we have this. Going to try and get a couple of other episodes of things that have been sitting on my hard drive for way too long up and then post this maybe to cap all of it. So going to say a huge thank you as always to you for the great questions you send in. Equal measure of thanks to our pal Jerry Suddeth who puts them together for me and also to our partners, all of whom are returning for next year, that being Cooper Tires, whose mighty fine road products are certainly available wherever you buy your tires. They're also, I think, most commonly experienced by all of y'all. Anderson Promotions, the USF Championships, the top three, first three steps on the junior open wheel ladder here in America, all powered, presented by Cooper Tires. Of the Justice Brothers Automotive Chemicals and Lubricants, very commonly found in motor racing. They were just a part of the announcement here at the end of last week with Stefan Wilson, Dryan Reinbold Racing, and Cusick Motorsports. Justice Brothers will be on Steph's number 24 Chevy. And then finally, TorontoMotorsports.com, our original partner. Uh, just looked earlier today and this podcast is six months six years six months and 15 days old and they've been a part of it since almost day one so pretty awesome motor racing memorabilia a lot of indycar stuff a lot of imsa stuff so pay them a visit torontomotorsports.com last quick thing or two to mention to you been pretty busy trying to upscale a lot of old videos that i have get those up onto my youtube page I kind of sort of never mention my YouTube page. I don't know why. Uh, it's just, I guess, not that big of a deal. But uh, would be really awesome and greatly appreciated if y'all went to the good old YouTubes forward slash Marshall Pruitt and subscribed. So uh, it's been around for a long time, just not done much with it for most of that time. So going to make a little bit of an effort to do that and i have a lot of other stuff there that i'm looking forward to posting here very very soon so youtube forward slash marshall pruitt please subscribe i wouldn't ask you to like that's up to you it may suck you may decide not to but at least subscribe i think you'll be pleasantly surprised by the content that's there and more that's going up uh why don't we talk about a couple of newsy things that since I've been taking this week off, haven't been writing about, but I certainly will when I get back on the desk next week. Hey, the newest thing, Ray Hollett of Lanigan Racing confirming exactly what I wrote in the most recent Silly Season edition on Racer, that being a swap of sponsors and numbers between Jack Harvey and Christian Lungard. Imagine that We'll probably cover off most of the answers to that with whatever comes in for next week's racer mailbag, maybe even next week's uh, Week in IndyCar Q&A show. But uh, for those who've been wondering why, 
tried to say it in as honest but kind way as possible in the mailbag, but for those who are curious, Hy-Vee is a very important sponsor to RLL. Uh, They are not out of contract at the end of 2023, so it's not a Hail Mary thing to try and get them some results in order to have them stay. I'm told, was told a little while ago when I spoke to Bobby Rahal about this, uh, that they are indeed still on with a multi-year deal. So that part's great, but can tell you that coming out of 2022, where they had more or less zero on-track results to do anything with and rarely had their car, that number 45 Honda, anywhere near the cameras for any duration of time, that is everything they're trying to address. So do I think Jack Harvey, if he were to stay in that 45 car, would do a far better job this coming season, have better support around him, whatever changes on the car and team side to improve his odds, and then also his efforts being improved to bring that high V sponsored car closer to the front of the grid where the majority of the TV time and attention comes? Yes, I do. Is there still a question mark there? Absolutely. And it is that specific question mark that RLL said we cannot hinge our success, our financial health, our partnership with High V upon a question mark. We hope and believe Jack will be a much stronger, more familiar version of himself that we lost in 2022. Confident we're going to get that back. But since there's no proof of that yet, we are not willing to risk the health, security, financial strength of our team, possibly having a sponsor say, you know what, Uh, I don't know why you didn't make a change, but you didn't. And if things didn't work out, that would be a guaranteed way for that partnership to no longer continue. So since a question mark existed, this is 100% the move I've been expecting for a good long while, put it in print. Now it's been confirmed. Extremely smart move by RLL. No disrespect to Jack. Just one of those things where you go, hey, that question mark got raised. And more important than any one driver, crew member, whatever within this organization, it's health and the sponsors that contribute to provide that financial health we have to safeguard the institution first and foremost that's exactly what they're doing here so with christian lungard moving to that number 45 number not changing crews and all that but number change and sponsor change based on his body of work as a rookie no real question mark as to whether he will be able to run towards the front give hyvee and the team everything they need Obviously, we hope that with the sponsors that will be represented by Jack on that number 30 RLL car, we'll get tons of value from that as well, and everything will work out perfectly. Uh, Main thing, though, Iowa, ticket prices, renewals. Holy crap, what's going on there? Um, Again, if I were on the clock this week, this would be something I'd be writing about instantly. I've had a number of you signal the what is going on with the 100% price increase, uh, removal of kids being free, just the overall 
you've turned this from something that was really cool that we want to support into this is something we cannot possibly afford anymore and we are not going to go to your event next year um a little bit of a short week so even if i was trying to get some answers from folks in charge it might have been a little bit of a challenge for me but uh be diving into this to try and get you some answers early early next week beyond that i want to say a big thank you to the Day listener group here in particular cassie johnston she has just been a beacon of awesomeness all driving charitable activities. She created the prukids.org site, P-R-U-E-K-I-D-S.org, prukids.org, try and raise the attempt to improve on last year where enough money was raised to buy toys for kids, 33 kids. Actually, I think it was a little over 33, but a full grid of 8,500 starters worth of kids and toys for underprivileged kids who otherwise would not have receive them during christmas over the holidays she raised that bar to try and take it up to the highest entry number ever for indy which is 42 that's been surpassed so here in just i think right about two weeks actually taking this up to double 33 double what she achieved last year so now 66 kids more than 6600 dollars have been raised all in the name of charity all by uh, some incredible Prude members putting this together, supporting this, and then many of y'all who have gone to prukids.org to donate. So just so proud of everybody, so thankful. Uh, and yeah, Cassie, if there's a most valuable IndyCar person of the year award, you're getting it because you're not just an IndyCar fan. Fandom is observing appreciating giving energy and attention to something uh, this is beyond that this is action this is real serious action and so just you are an amazing inspiration cassie as are many of you who are part of the prude even those who aren't who've participated to help so just wanted to say thank you seriously um <laughs> there's kind of nothing else more cool than this to me so thank you to all of you all right uh, i think that's all that i got once again if you get a chance youtube slash marshall pruitt pay it a visit give it a subscribe and rosie has joined me she's now grooming herself so that's the time to roll in a little music bed get to your cues and we'll look forward to uh getting back on the desk next week why don't we uh why don't we kick off with jj gertler wanting the clock back just a little bit to uh story that we wrote i think monday last not this monday but the monday before on confirming taylor kyle former air mclaren sp president signing as a team manager for chip ganassi saying so is taylor signing the least surprising news in indycar since aj foyt hit his car with a hammer yes or yes um yes not a surprise i think we all who've been a following this and aware of it have been expecting this to go in this direction i love this move i really do uh, if you think of what chip ganassi racing's culture happens to be very blue collar very selfless all about team all about the work not about trendiest crew clothes and 
just not about the flash, all about the substance. And Taylor fits that perfectly. I know he's coming from a team that with known for having the most flash. It wasn't him. Uh, that, that's, that's McLaren's uh, blueprint being overlaid onto the organization that he ran. I'm not saying that has to be a bad thing. Just saying culturally, certainly a McLaren thing, definitely not a Ganassi thing. Taylor, by no means that guy. So I think him at Ganassi is a wonderful fit culturally, perfect fit, to be honest. Where I like this, JJ, and I realize I'm providing a serious answer to uh, a joke of a question, but um, while it was by no means a surprise, the things that I'm looking forward to seeing how they pan out. That blue collar workman, workwoman, work person like mentality that has been so successful for Ganassi over the years, do not foresee that changing at all with the addition of Taylor. At the same time, Taylor brings something a little bit different in how he does things. A uh, hardcore competitor, just like everyone else, just a little lighter, a little more relaxed way that Taylor likes to do things. And I don't mean everyone's going to work fewer hours and be less intense in how they go about their jobs, but just a little bit more of an open person, not so much of a head down, you know, just nose to the proverbial grindstone mentality type guy, more of a, no, look up, you know, Hey, we, we can be very serious kick butt, but also have this a little bit more like, you know, friends at the barbecue than folks out, you know, working on the chain gang. So I'll be interested, JJ, to see how Taylor's slightly different, a little bit more hands-on, softer interaction style fits. So I'm guessing for some who've been a part of the Ganassi culture for many, many years, who like that more subdued, head-down approach, that might be a challenge for him to connect with some of those people. Um, some others... I'm guessing we'll respond right away and be up and a little more bright and smiley and such, but will he be able to bring everybody along on that ride and get everyone buying into that? Hey, keep doing things the way you're doing, but let's just, Hey, right. We're, we're all trying to do this in a, in the most positive way as possible. Not the most hardcore way as possible. It is entirely possible to win doing things not so singularly focused. Will that stick? Will that resonate? Those are the things I'll be looking for. I would hope so. Because you can have a very successful approach to competition. Pick your favorite sport. Pick your favorite form of racing. There are cultures that are winning cultures and ones that are losing cultures. But there's no single winning culture you got to do it this one way or else there's a couple different ways of going about things will taylor in his slightly different way not only have a a positive influence on ganassi fitting in and among all the managers that they currently have uh but also maybe help take them to a even higher level 
That's what I'm watching in 2023. Uh, let's see. Ed Joris, sticking with this very quickly, you say, let's treat the Ganassi-McLaren kerfuffles like a sports trade. Ganassi gets Polo for 2023 and Taylor Kyle. McLaren gets NTT data, Tony Kanon for the 500, and then likely Polo from 2024. Uh, who got the better of this? Also says, isn't the big prize Taylor Kyle? That's a great question, Ed. Short term? I think everything you've listed for McLaren is going to be the success. Even medium term, I think this is going to be a pretty serious success. So if we're talking looking a couple years down the road, as we often do, and looking back on these, quote, trades, I think McLaren comes out ahead somewhat decisively. I think Taylor will end up being a huge and great influence on the Ganassi team for a long, long time. But if we're talking why people make trades, why teams make trades, rarely is it because they want to get better five years from now. It's usually all about winning now. And if it isn't this season, it's next. Uh, very few high caliber teams are willing to make significant trades without immediate expectations. This isn't a rebuilding project for either. So knowing that, Ed, I would say for sure, this looks like McLaren is going to end up coming out on top in this trade between a sponsor and NTT, even though it's known to not be a ton of money, Tony Kanon's influence with Indy 500 could easily be the thing that puts them into victory lane. Uh, Polo, I think that guy has multiple championships waiting to be claimed. Uh, I think that guy is going to be a nightmare in IndyCar for a long time. And knowing that he's a year away from uh, being a nightmare visited upon the paddock by Chip Ganassi Racing moving over to becoming the nightmare that McLaren rolls out. Um, yeah. Taylor's a, a heck of a get. I'm going to need to see, Ed, what the team does for its fourth driver. That's unrelated to McLaren, obviously. But then also what the team does to backfill Pelot's position uh, after the 2023 season is over. And I have an idea of who that is, and I am absolutely not going to mention it uh, right now, but I have an idea, and uh, yeah, if, if they were to pursue this person, I feel like they uh, they would be in really good shape. So anyways, yeah, McLaren, period. Uh, why don't we go to our pal Lauren Wong? You see, I'm hoping my first time question can make the cut this time. Uh, all the best to you, Shabrell, Rocky, and Rosie. Uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. would also be remiss if I didn't mention here, I'm sure all of you do this, all of you know this, but this time of year can be hard. Same with Christmas. Whether it is a loved one, someone that you know, someone maybe you have known but become disconnected with, folks who you think might be at risk during Thanksgiving, please do that most human of thing. Reach out, call. Texting's fine. Call. 
voices, people talking, hearing one another, like, please, please do that. And I don't know where you live, but I'm guessing there's probably at least a couple people who might be in need of something when you are out and about in your normal life. It's walking into a grocery store, getting gas. <clears throat> yeah. Um, empathy. Sharing. Great time. If uh, if you aren't already doing that, be a, a real gift if you did. Uh, and so we come back to Lauren here. Says, as much as I want multiple chassis and engine manufacturers, why doesn't IndyCar switch to spec shocks so the haves don't have such an advantage? both in money and development over the have-nots. It would create more parity and better racing, wouldn't it? Brother Lauren, I'm going to ask a favor. Please flush any belief that says removing freedoms creates better racing because NASCAR for decades upon decades took away just about everything. And the majority of the racing was absolute garbage. Um, removing areas where people could express themselves. Do that in the name of improving racing, better racing. That's just the opposite of why we go racing. I mean, if we're going to go that far then get rid of multiple engine manufacturers. Get rid of any individuality. Remove everything. Make these truly just generic off-the-shelf cars. And who would want to watch that? Like, Lauren, brother, I'll admit, this really disappoints me that you not only sent this in once, but now are wanting to send it in again. I would think most of y'all who just spent the last season watching 17 IndyCar races and 16 the year before and 14 the year before that. And I would think most of y'all who've watched IndyCar racing regularly for the last, last many years would say and agree, it's about the best damn racing you're going to find. I tell you, that's the thing most folks tell me who are IndyCar fans. Hey, this is amazing. Not saying every one of those 17 races this year was amazing, but I'm saying the vast majority were. So why would we then want to take things away and then believe it's going to make better racing? The individuality is what makes it interesting. When everybody has the same thing, how does that improve the racing? I don't understand that part. And as for more parity, is that really the reason folks are attracted to motor racing? Hey, remove all individuality. That, that's what I like. Hey, I'm going to watch a basketball game and everybody must shoot from the same exact spot on the court. Can't go closer, can't go farther away. Everyone has to shoot in the same exact style. Hey, everybody on the court, you all have to run at the same speed. All right, some players may be faster than others. Some may be slower, but you all have to run the same average speed up and down on the court. Like, who would watch that? Nobody, I would hope, 
because it kills the human spirit. <sighs> so why would we then want to do this with IndyCar or any other form of racing? Now, there are limits to expression and freedom. Formula One's a great example. Things are so expensive and things get so far out of control that you often end up with one team beating the living heck out of everyone else and running away with most championships. That's more or less what Formula One has been for decades upon decades. And I realize we've been blessed to have some years where it's really close. It's been a while, though. So here, where there are a number, a lot of things on this car that are already spec, it's a kind of sort of spec formula from the outset. There are just enough areas where, whether it's engine manufacturers or teams, can do things to distinguish themselves. Why on earth would we want to then just start stripping those things away till they're gone? A small team with not a lot of money using spec shocks is not going to run closer to Team Penske or Ganassi using the same spec shocks. Why? Because the big organizations have a lot more money, and that money then buys a lot more not only engineers, but high-quality engineers, far more educated or trained or proven or skilled engineers and drivers and mechanics. So once we start getting to the have and have-nots, this doesn't make A.J. Foyt Racing a winner by making them use the same shocks as everyone else because there's still enough other things about the car that's going to allow the big teams to differentiate themselves from the small teams. Here, it's just, a, to me, a really dangerous mindset. Because once we start allowing this to creep in, you may as well just take the rest away. Because if the truly the single thing that makes our sport different from the rest, we use vehicles as the largest component of competing for wins and losses. Obviously, they're drivers, crew members, strategists. There's all facets of human element. But the one big thing that we use to conduct our sport, highly complex vehicles. And if the mindset is, well, let's just strip away the complexities and make them just kind of vanilla things. Uh, I've got other sports to watch. (laughs) Uh, The basketball no one even thinks about it or cares about it or the football or the bat and the baseball. It's the players, the individual players there. We've got plenty of those sports to try and render in this case, IndyCar more or less the same into just this tool that we don't even think about. Um, I, I don't understand that mindset brother. So no, uh, I don't think it would make the racing any better. I don't think the racing needs to be made any better. Uh, Parity, I don't watch racing for parity. I watch racing to see how people try and solve problems and compete against one another and taking things away that allow them to express that individuality. Yeah, uh, you're never going to get me on board with that. So uh, please, Let's put that to bed. 
Uh, Nick Oliver, you got a great question here. Really, really a great question. Say, first-time question submitter, by the way, which I absolutely appreciate. Say, can we have a discussion about Penske's ownership of all things IndyCar? And if we're going to tighten the belts and entrench ourselves in our woefully outdated chassis and just hang on as a series under the direct control of Roger Penske, and what on earth is going to happen when he can no longer run this organization? You ask, where is the vision for the future? You then also add, no growth equals no future. So is there any hope for this series to regain even a foothold in the sports culture of America? I'll be extra transparent here with you, Nick. I'm more concerned about everything you just mentioned than I have been in many, many years about IndyCar. Many, many years. But I have those same concerns, and it does involve and revolve centrally around Roger. Roger's vision of IndyCar is one that I just didn't see coming. Uh, it's... Seeing what I read every day, the things that I happen to see almost every day, I should say, about Elon Musk buying Twitter, it's been bizarre, right? Hey, just spent a lot of money on this thing, and it's been around for a while, and it's really popular, and boy, we're trying to gut it from the inside. Everything we're doing is about cutting costs and trimming costs. Um, I'm not saying that there are exact parallels, to what we're watching over the last couple of years with uh, Penske Entertainment's ownership of the IndyCar series. Really, the, it's very far adrift from what we're watching right now with Musk and Twitter. But there are enough things that have me going, yeah, okay, it scares me a little bit with some of the parallels. Got it. Here's this thing. Been around for a good while. Decent amount of folks really like it. Main actions, though, are all about downsizing and shrinking and taking things away. That's problematic to me, as it is to you and I think a growing number of folks. There is a secession plan in place that I'm aware of. I know his son, Greg Penske, is likely, well, he plays a significant role today. I believe he will play in even more significant role in that future if and when RP is not directly in charge. I am fairly confident that RP's number two, good gentleman by the name of Bud Denker, will also be continue to be very centrally involved uh, in all things as well in that eventuality. Bud pretty much rp 2.0 so i don't know if i'd see much in the way of any changes in how things are currently being done uh happening if bud were in charge greg though he's the one nick that i look at and go been around for a long time seen a lot of things been in charge of a lot of things throughout the years on the the penske side um I view him among the Penske Entertainment Ownership Leadership Group. And that, by the way, I classify in a different capacity than the IndyCar Leadership Group, right? 
Jay Fry, everybody in the offices there. To me, how I view things, two totally different things. So I'm not talking about Jay, the call it the operations side of IndyCar. I'm talking about the folks who own it and are the senior, senior most leadership and decision making folks within that body. I look at Greg as my biggest hope because I just see and hear and understand things that tells me he has a more modern grasp of things. I think he would be someone who would actually do quite well in that role. So that's the person on the question of secession plan. As for vision for the future, that's the part I continue to wait on. What do you want IndyCar to be? Where do you want it to go? We know it's coming, right? Going to have this synthetic fuel for the first time next year produced by Shell. It's a big deal. Following year, following season, I should say, we're going to go to hybrid engines. That's cool. At that point in time, just being honest and transparent yet again five years and it'll be within two or three months of five full years since it was announced right that's that's a long time right hey we've got a big vision for the future gonna be about half a decade before we get there though doesn't really have the feeling of newness and immediacy and and future does it at least to me it doesn't when half a decade goes by from the announcement to the actual un you know unveiling and change of the guard i struggle to categorize that as something cutting edge there's some reasons in there right obviously covid was a kick to the proverbial crotch that's pushed things back a couple years without a doubt Again, it still leaves me, though. I know I've mentioned this on the podcast in the last couple of weeks. When we get the hybrid engines competing in that very first race, what, uh, 15, 16 months from now, whatever the exact count happens to be, unless they announce more things, that'll be it. IndyCar will have... Ex- rolled out and exhausted all future-minded things that they have come up with since the late 2010s. So the over overarching point here, Nick, that you know and the rest of you know as well, what's IndyCar's vision for the future? We've known it for many years now, and they're almost done with those visions going from concept to reality. Once you get there, get close to there, that then leads folks to go, okay, where are we going next? <laughs> right? What do we, if you're a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, what do they do on seemingly an annual basis? They tell you what their plan is for the next, whatever it might be. It's not necessarily next year, but hey, here's a bunch of new titles we're working on. This new thing's going to be coming next year. Two years from now, you're going to get this three foot. And here's this constant replenishing of ideas and concepts and just trying to keep energy high, 
build energy, build interest, keep, keep, keep going. We're about to run out of those. So I'm with you, Nick. Uh, I don't know what the vision is for the future because the people who own IndyCar and the people who decide where it's going, to my knowledge, don't have a vision mapped out for the future. I would guess in closing here that the heat they have received from drivers and fans and media alike over the last couple of months as Formula One has just kicked IndyCar's butt up and down and sideways. All the where are, where are we going? What are we doing? When are we doing it? If they haven't heard it and they aren't reacting to it, man, I'll be really concerned. So I have to hope that they have heard and will be acting. Uh, let's go to Andrew Miller. He says, can we start to wonder why a Chevy full hybrid test hasn't happened yet? Say, I, I hear rumors of a second Honda test on the books at Sebring and Chevy slash Ilmore haven't turned a lap that we know of at least with their full hybrid package in place. Um, yeah, pretty easy to answer this one, Andrew. And I would say there's no real uh, mystery investigation needed here. Chevy's just taken a little bit longer to feel comfortable, sign off on things. And if they have snuck out and I'm unaware of it, then uh, the, the joke's on me. But they have been undergoing some pretty significant technical changes in the background. Uh, some partners that have been a big part of their universe. There's some changes in evolution there. Some new stuff going on things that might just add a little bit of extra time to them wanting uh, or needing to go out and test with the uh, full Molly ERS system. So I got to imagine they're going to be getting out there fairly soon if they haven't already under total secrecy. Uh, but yeah, nothing really bad or negative as to why they weren't out at the same time with Honda. As I understand the, the reasons, they're all real. Uh, they're just going through a little bit of background changes, having them not quite in a place to uh, step on the throttle as hard as Honda in terms of getting out. Uh, JJ Gertler, uh, you sound familiar to a guy who opened the show. You say, uh, after your discussion in the last episode of Penske Entertainment's approach to marketing, I have to ask, who does IndyCar consider its competition to be? Is it other forms of motorsports or sports in general? You say the approach would be very different depending on that answer, but have they even asked the question? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I really and truly don't know what they view as their competition. Um, it's a great question for me to ask uh, RP next time we speak. Uh, Brian Burrell, you say, listen to the uh, racing family show you had there with Graham Rahal. It was excellent. You say, when does Graham retire and take on a managing role with the IndyCar team? You say, uh, excellent work ethic and brilliant ideas uh, from him. I got to believe it's in his future. Just don't know when he wants to hang things up, Brian. But yeah, um, have we ever had a father and son managing? A team, I know you might say, well, isn't 
Larry Foyt and AJ Foyt. And I know Larry's presented as uh, AJ's son, but he's actually not. He's uh, AJ's grandson, uh, son of uh, AJ's daughter. Um, and they then took Larry in and, and raised him like their own. But um, yeah, uh, I think Graham's. Whenever the time comes, I do expect him to get slotted directly in there. So I uh, totally agree with you. Uh, Cody Oakwood, you say you brought this on yourself, MP, with your call for questions. You say if you had to recruit five IndyCar drivers to fly X-Wings against the Death Star, who would they be? More specifically, who would act as Red 1, the squadron leader, and Red 5, uh, New Hachu, Luke Skywalker, like uh, recruit with force abilities. Let's see. Um of course i'm gonna pull up a list here just so my brain uh fully remembers who drives indy cars let's see the top the five would be let's go with the leader who would be the leader who's the the most leader-esque among all indy car drivers who who's that super red one i am wanting to go with scott dixon i think that's yeah i think now if tony canon was full-time i'd say tony because man <laughs> uh, there is never any doubt from tony canon as to what you should do and when you should do it but uh in his absence i will go with scott dixon there for a, a red one um let's pick three others and then we'll get to uh the young gun the uh, luke skywalker equivalent I'm going to go with Pato Ward. Actually, I think Pato would be Red 5, right? All that guy wants to do is just, he'd be screaming, let's go, let's go, or let's effing go the whole time. Like, they'd have to shut off his comms because it just, yeah, that's all you would hear from the guy. So, uh, yeah, Pato actually I think would be Red 5. So now let's find the three in between. <sighs> Power's too crazy. We don't want to do that. He'd 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 start shooting at his own people. He'd he'd be knocking down X wings just for fun. Um, boy, Pagano, right? Pagano's a trusty hand. Yeah, definitely Pagano. Uh, I mean, I guess I I feel compelled to pick Jack Harvey since he's such a Star Wars fan, but. Ask this again next year, and maybe yeah, maybe I'll feel a little more confident there. Colton Herta, I think he'd be, uh, I think he'd be a pretty strong pair of hands there too. Who else? I'm, I'm vacillating between Newgarden and Erickson. I'm gonna go with Erickson. Yeah, there, there's a, a steeliness there. A calm steeliness that I think would lend itself in a very favorable, favorable way here. So yeah, those uh, those are my answers. Uh, and I would have to assume that this is coming in from Cody in reaction to the uh, Star Wars themed weekend IndyCar tune that I asked him to do. Uh, Maddie McDonald, Maddie, how you doing? Says I re-listened. To all the wonderful storytelling special feature episodes you did celebrate episode 1000 any chance those kind of episodes could be a more regular feature 
even annually would be fine. I need more Danny Sullivan's circuitous yarns told while banging on things in my life. Yes, Danny, who was assembling, uh, what, I think, I don't know if it was bookshelves, some shelving of some sort in his storage facility. Um, I, I do have a decent number of storytelling episodes, Maddie, just sitting on my hard drive. And so part of what I'm going to do here is just make the time to produce and post them because they exist. I just have sucked at getting those done and out. Um, it, I mean, I interviewed a lot of people for a crazy amount of hours to do what we did for episode 1000. So on an annual basis, that's probably a little bit too much, but I just need to do more of the deeper interview storytelling type uh, podcast. So I think that'll be the answer. And uh, there should be one or two coming here right about now. Uh, I endeavor to get at least one done here leading into Thanksgiving that hopefully you and everyone else will enjoy. Uh, Richard Ng, you say, why does European racing have garages that are directly connected to pit lanes versus having a pit wall in American racing? Well, I would say because European racing and American racing are different forms of racing, Richard. Uh, just I'll kind of go with that. Um, yeah. Uh, we, for the most part, don't do that. Uh, we tend to have separate paddock slash garages uh, that are independent of pit lane. So that's the way we've been doing things for 100 plus years. And I'm not saying that European racing has been doing things with paddocks and garages that are directly connected to pit lane that same amount of time. But as for why, um, because we're different. And so I think kind of naturally we do things very differently. Uh, let's see. Len R., you asked, does Portland return in 2024? I think so. Uh, IndyCar seemed to have uh, some pretty decent energy about wanting to keep going to Portland. So I think it will. Famous last words, of course. Um, let's go to our pal Jim Kaiser, who put together the questions for us for a nice long time. Um, we get haiku. He says, a nod to the wankers in F1. Team orders don't work in a good racing series like IndyCar is. Uh, there we go. All right, we're going to close this episode, y'all. Pal Maddie McDonald is back. They say, any word on whether the funding shortages at motorsports games, plus the ensuing issues and resignations there have endangered the IndyCar video game in any way? Don't know, Maddie. Uh, when I saw that stuff pop up, uh, unfortunately, again, kind of a, a victim of me going on vacation but I'll see if I can get some answers on that here very shortly from IndyCar. Um, yeah, it was a concern when they went with them in the beginning. Uh, I hope for IndyCar's sake everything works out well because we would hope some sort of game would do something to help increase IndyCar's awareness. So for that and that alone, I hope everything works out. But yeah, in terms of reputation... I think there are a lot of folks, when they learned about this deal happening, I think there are enough folks who are in the know to go, oh, that might not be the right direction. But 
see if I can get an answer here shortly. Y'all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving, your time off, wherever you might be. Um, big thanks to all of you for just the, the love and support you send our way. Things have been a little tougher than desired here recently uh, on our end, just with uh, a lot of what my wife, Shabrell, has been dealing with chemo and side effects and that kind of stuff but we've been through much worse in recent years and gotten through it as we will uh with this uh, do appreciate you knowing that we're not always going to be able to post things as i like to which is sending questions out monday morning recording the show monday evening and posting right away um when that happens you know that things are going well on the home front and there are no distractions when we are days late if not a week plus late just an indicator that life is taking a bit of precedence over flapping my gums into a microphone so thanks again to cooper tires the justice brothers and torontomotorsports.com and all of y'all and i will speak to y'all soon